from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. Jason Lindstrom can summarize his best crisis leadership advice in one word. Listen. Lindstrom, president and CEO of Evergreen Credit Union in Portland, Maine, and chair of the CUNA Marketing and Business Development Council, says that means putting the financials aside for a moment and focusing first on your people. I'm Bill Merrick, Deputy Editor for CUNA News. In this episode, Lindstrom takes us through Evergreen's response to the COVID-19 crisis, which includes making Paycheck Protection Program loans, holding a virtual annual meeting, and leading a remote workforce. How are you and your staff doing? You know, we're doing okay. We've got one person out that's uh, self-quarantining kind of indefinitely because his roommate works in a radiology office that's taking COVID-19 patients. And so right now that's it. Everybody else is employed and either working from home or working the teller line or they're at home. Because we're just down to drive-throughs in our four branches, we've gone to two weeks on and two weeks off. So we have one team that's in working the branch right now. They're on their, well, it's the middle of their second week while another team is essentially at home. And then we have a holiday here next Monday, but on Tuesday, everybody comes back and the team that's been here for two weeks goes home. That way we figure that if somebody did come down with the virus, we have a whole team at home that can just be called up and and back in and while we take the other team out. And, you know, it just protects all of our branches and will allow us to keep everything open. And we are paying them while they're at home, too. So as a credit union, we really believe in taking care of our members and our team. So it it seems like each day and and week brings new challenges. What are your top priorities right now? Well, right now, um, we've got a big focus on the SBA Paycheck Protection Program loans, the PPP loans. We have about a $55 million commercial lending portfolio here in Maine. It's one of the state's largest as far as credit unions go. We don't, we don't even have a billion-dollar credit union in the state of Maine, and we're about $330 million in assets, and so we're invested in the commercial space and have been for, for some time. And so right when these were announced, our phones are ringing off the hook and trying to get a format down, trying to get the note down, trying to get scimitar programming, all of that done and out there to the public was a big challenge. And now it's just working that somewhat of a backlog because we've got everything set up and we've issued as of yesterday, $4.4 million in loans, 94 loans to our, our business members. And we've now also are working with three other credit unions in the region who aren't SBA lenders and didn't really want to take the time to learn business lending and that whole process. So we've created a form for them to fill out if they have a member that's one of their members to send them over our way and we can help take care of them. Fortunately, we have a lot of liquidity. We're in a good position as a credit union. So we have the money to lend and with it being guaranteed by the SBA, we're going full bore on that. So that's keeping our commercial team busy. And then the rest of the team, you know, we have half the team out because of that two week on, two week off thing. So we're just trying to maintain all the transactions in the lobby that normally are coming into the lobby are through our drive-through windows. And one of our branches only has one drive-through window. 
A couple of them have two or three windows. So, you know, we're doing the best we can. So far, we haven't had lines all the way around the building or out into the street or anything like that. So it's been pretty good. And then we are, you know, trying to man the phones. And I think the biggest challenge that we've had is that our phone system is about five or six years old. And this year, 2020, was budgeted to be improved upon. And um, the COVID-19 epidemic here hit before we had that in place. So uh, we've been struggling to try to get our call center folks at home working from home. And we're finally to a point where we have a solution that we've tested out a couple of times and we've got a couple of our reps at home. How smoothly is, is the Paycheck Protection Loan Program going? Is it fairly easy to administer? You know, originally it was a little tough to try to figure out and there weren't a lot of answers out there. Um, our commercial team is pretty talented and they were able to figure things out and it seems to be going smooth. What we're waiting on mostly from what I understand from my team is getting the documentation from the, the member. A lot of them were big, small business community. And just to let you know, out of those 94 loans, our lowest loan amount is $4,000 and our highest amount was almost two fifty. So we're not even into those million dollar, $10 million kind of things. These are small businesses, exactly what the program was designed for to help those small businesses. Our average loan amount is 47000 So some of these folks don't have access to scanners to scan in their payroll information or scan in documentation that we need to put forward to the SBA. So the challenge that we have is that with our branches being closed, these members may not have the opportunity. They can't necessarily go to a Kinko's or a library or somewhere to scan things in. And so I think that's the biggest challenge is just getting the information in. Do you have an estimate of how many loans ultimately you'll do? I don't. We originally said it as, you know, let's plan for about 5 million. And um, we're thinking probably upwards of 10 million. And I think it really depends on if there's another stimulus package that comes out for small businesses that it gets out there more you know, we have the process down now really well, and I think it's working well. Our first goal was to serve our members, and now we're calling back non-members that called in. They're driven by our branches or something in, in the community, and they've said, hey, you know, we want to um, see if we can do the loan with you guys. And so we put them on a list, and we're now following up with those non-members that have called in. That sounds like a good book of business for you. Yeah, it is. And quite honestly, the fee income side of it that the SBA is promising is good. And, you know, when all the other loans and everything has kind of shut down or, or really reduced the amount of business coming in, other than our mortgage side, our mortgage side is really pumping too. But the other consumer loans, other than some of the emergency funding loans that we have, you know, just regular unsecured cash out kind of loans, business on car loans, and a lot of other things have really slowed down. To have this fee income and this you know, be busy on the commercial side with something that's a guaranteed by the federal government and can be forgiven for the member and for us, it's a pretty good program. It'll help keep us moving forward for sure. So in addition to the Paycheck Protection Program loans, what other loans or programs did you offer members to help them through the um, financial challenges that the pandemic is presenting? And I think that's another challenge that we had too is, um, you know, we offered skip a pay on a regular basis every year. You could have a, a free skip a pay as part of your checking account product with us, that kind of thing. And 
when we looked at it, we realized, oh, well, we don't really have this for mortgages. We don't have it for commercial lending. Um, there's a number of things to be considered on the mortgage side. You have taxes and, and insurance and escrow accounts, and those items have already been paid or need to be paid. So if you defer a payment, how does that work on a mortgage? And then do you tack on a payment at the end at 360 months that you have a 361st month? You know, it's kind of a hard thing for members to try to grasp on all that. So we really came together as a team and, and worked to disseminate how can we fix this. So just as of a couple of days ago, we've got skip pays available on all of the loan products that we offer. And it can go anywhere from 30 days, the first one up to 60 or 90 days, depending on what the member needs. So we're doing a lot of questioning of members when they call in and working with them and seeing what they need. We have what's called an easy cash loan. It's a personal loan that we've kind of relaxed the credit standards a little bit on it, change it from a 12-month repayment plan to a max of 24 months, up to $7,500 with a low interest rate as low as 3.99. We really figured that we couldn't do these 0% interest because we have to have some type of income coming in. But it's a good loan and we've had a few members take it. For the most part, all of our other loans are still available and open. So we've done that. If a member did want to come in and close out a certificate, we're waiving penalties for members on that as well. But really just trying to work with the member. There are people that are working and getting paid and are doing just fine, even though they're working from home. And then there's others, there's restaurant workers that have been laid off and told that we'll be lucky if our restaurant opens again. That's the bottom line is listen to when they call in or when they pull up at the drive-thru and want to talk to somebody about something. You know, we just have to listen. And then you know, work to help solve whatever issue it is that they have. Can you think of an example of a member that you've helped with one of your loan programs? The main comments that I've heard is that, wow, it's just so nice that I was able to call in and talk to you. We've heard that there's a large bank in this region. And at one time, one of our call center reps used to work there and has heard from her friends that still work there that at one time they had a three-hour wait with 2,000 people on hold to get into their bank. Our hold time is less than 30 seconds. So it really shows the value of being a smaller institution. And 330000000 million, we're not small, but we have only four branches. I just think we can make a difference as a smaller organization that has 24,000 members, and we really want to take care of our members. And so for the most part, we've heard all good things from our membership. I know I got one email from one of our commercial borrowers that was like, it was just so great that Evergreen was here for us and that you guys had funded our PPP loan so quickly that we can relax a little bit. Just people that are happy to do business with the credit union that's responsive and listening to what their needs are. We've had a few couple comments on our Facebook page, all positive when we've posted things like, thank you guys for being there for us. And but it's just trying to do, do what we can for our membership. You had your annual meeting via Facebook Live. How did yeah. that go? Well, it originally started out rocky. Of course, you know, you test everything 30 times or more. Test the microphone. You test it. You, you do it all. We were ready to go live and our camera didn't work. Somehow it, it ended up just, it was blown out. So we had to run and grab another webcam off of another computer and put that in. And so we started about 10 minutes late, but for the most part, uh, it went right along as scripted. And I think the last time I looked, we had 750 views of it after the fact. And it may cause us to rethink how we do annual meetings in the future. You know, we're a credit union that maybe has 
hundred people show up for our annual meetings when it's in person. And a large group of that are the board members, families, and staff. So to have, you know, close to 800 or so people watch our video of the annual meeting, to have that many views, I think it was pretty successful. We didn't get to do what we normally do. We do an award program for the business lenders of the year and some of our lending partners. We're not an indirect credit union, but we have some dealers that we work with. And we always give out awards, at least the last couple of years, we've given out awards for our top dealers and our top commercial borrowers um, at the annual meeting. And so it's become a, a nice draw to draw more people into the annual meeting by having an award show. We didn't get the, the opportunity to show that in person, but we did issue out the awards. So Sounds like you have some sad news too. I'm, I'm very sorry about the loss of your board member. Yeah, it was... Uh, interesting because his name is Rick Parashak and he joined our board last year's annual meeting was his first meeting and he joined our board and was on for essentially you know 12 months but the morning of our annual meeting on on Thursday back in March I got an email from his longtime partner and girlfriend that said that he was in the hospital and he went into ICU with COVID-19 on Monday the 23rd of March so, of course, we were shocked, but it was the day of the annual meeting. So, I had to pass that information along to the board and talk to people about it and, and try to, you know, maintain composure. He's a, he was a good guy and a good volunteer. And I just spent time with him in GAC. He was so excited to go to GAC and his first credit union conference. And I remember talking to him at the conference about, wow, I can really see why we're different from a bank. And he's like, I always knew it, but, you know, seeing what we're doing and, seeing these speakers talk and, and legislators and you got to go to Capitol Hill was the first time he was 66 years old and had never been to DC. So he got to go to the breakfast that we have with the main delegation and got to participate on Capitol Hill and just an all around good guy. And, and I left him at the airport on the, I think it was the 27th of February after GAC and shook his hand and his girlfriend was along. So I shook her hand, said, thank you guys. And Rick said to me, he's like, that was just a fantastic trip. And, you know, something I'll always remember and I think I can really learn from this and, and really help out the board. And uh, that was the last I saw of him until I got the call from his girlfriend. And he passed away the Sunday after our board meeting on a Thursday. So this disease can just attack people in different ways. And after the GAC, he had gone on to vacation in Las Vegas. There was a conference out there. He's worked for the main department of transportation for over 20 years, and he was a volunteer firefighter and, um, you know, just dedicated volunteerism type person and um, a big loss to us. But like I told our team, you know, Rick was the kind of guy that says, you know, don't worry about me, carry on, do, do your job, get busy, get out there and help members. And so it was a sad time for us all. And the board members were all on our board meeting virtually and, you know, nobody got to hug each other or shake hands. And in fact, his girlfriend told me that I was the last person that they actually shook hands with before all this COVID-19 stuff really started to happen. So I can rest easy that I know Rick would have wanted us to continue on and continue the good mission, good work that we're doing. And, but yeah, it did touch us, you know, and it, it really resonated with me and some on our team that worked with him at the board level, that this was close. He was the second or third death in the state of Maine, but it was a person that we knew and that 
I think that made a difference. Um, it made a difference to see how real this is and that, you know, you may not be affected and you do what you do every day and go about your job and all that, but it does affect some people and affects a lot of lives for sure. Every one of those statistics has a name to it, you know, and I think that's the, the biggest thing, especially when you're seeing the news, 24 deaths. Well, that's 24 family members of somebody. What do you think you've learned from this whole experience? I think that one of the biggest takeaways or, or what I've learned is the real strength of the credit union movement is there. The whole people helping people philosophy, that combined with having to be an essential business. I could easily, in, in my role, work from home. I tried it one day. It's not for me. I need to be here with my team. And you know, I think that's, that's the biggest thing is that it just really shows that as a leader, at least in this credit union, I care about my team and I care about our members. And I think what's going to come out of this is that our staff is going to be tighter, tighter knit, and our team is going to be together even more on issues. And some of the mundane things that we may have argued about or we may have talked about as not being possible, I think we're going to continue to try to shoot for the stars and try to do whatever it is we can do. And I don't know, I just think there's there's a renewed energy. I, I'm not looking at the financials. I'm trying to stay away from all of that stuff and keep keep the positivity going. You know, I've been on board just a little over three years here, never expecting this to happen. And I think with my experience in credit union land and having a pandemic policy and having a business continuity plan and all those kind of things in place and then having good leaders around me as well. There's a light at the end of the tunnel and I think we're going to come out of this better than we were before. And we were pretty good before. So it's just a matter of, you know, what can we do? What's the next level after this? On a more personal level, what are you doing to cope and stay positive during uh, the pandemic? I think the biggest thing, and this is what I've tried to be for my team too, um, is trying to read everything that I can. Uh, I try to stay out of the national press stuff, but read as much as I can from doctors. The director of the main CDC is really knowledgeable and, and really good with what and how he writes things and how he states things. And so I followed along with that a lot, but it's really trying to disseminate the information to my team. And I take pleasure on making sure that they're taken care of and that we're listening to what their needs are. And we're trying to work with people that have fears by getting them home. And it's just, it's tough to hear sometimes when you have a teller who can't really work from home, but has a fear. So we're trying to cope with, with all of that. Personally, it's like, I, I know my wife and my stepson's safe. My kids with my ex-wife, they're safe in Idaho. They're not doing anything. They're sheltering in place. And it's just, I really practice the rules that we're supposed to be practicing, you know, wearing a mask when I go to the grocery store, only having one of us go to the grocery store, staying six feet apart, really just taking to heart all those things. And I think, again, we're going to come out of this stronger. And I think as a community, when the doors can open again, and we can get back out there, you know, really taking a look at, you know, these mom and pop restaurants and some of these companies that are just small businesses and serve such an important part during our normal lives, like, Let's patronize them. Let's put money back into their business to make sure they're successful. I've even talked with my wife on a personal side. It's that on the weekend, we should try to do takeout either Friday or Saturday night or, or two times so that we can keep these smaller businesses that are running takeout businesses afloat. And 
that's what we need to do to keep this economy moving and keep things moving forward and let people know that we're there for them. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play.